Hi, I'm Stu Baca, and I'm a Gen X grown-up, and I support Gen X grown-up on Patreon, and you should too at patreon.com slash Gen X grown-up. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listeners, to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I'm John. Joining me, as always, is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? And Mo. Hey, everybody. The backtrack edition is, as I'm sure you know, the episode where we take a single nostalgic topic we remember fondly growing up at Generation Xers and look back on that. This episode, we're going to be talking all about those little metal billboards that advertise what our favorite cartoon was. I'm talking, of course, about lunchboxes. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into everything there is to know about lunchboxes. First, I want to dive into some fourth listener email, one of my favorite parts of the show. And the fourth listener email this episode comes from Zach. Oh, hey, like Zach. From Saved by the Bell? That would be appropriate. That was high school. He probably had a lunchbox. There we go. He probably did. I, I don't know if it's that Zach, but it is oh, a Zach. Okay. So we're going to get a different Zach, possibly. <laughs> yeah, partial credit. They, maybe that's where he got his name. I don't know. <laughs> Zach writes in subject line TV show openings. So I'm sure he's talking about oh, our TV the theme, theme backtrack. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach says, Hey there, Gen X grown up. Been listening since I found you guys through laser time and have been loving every episode so far. Well, thank nice. you. That's oh, nice. Wow. Thank you. I am not a Gen X, I won't lie, but being an older millennial, I'm able to share some of the memories you speak about while also growing up as these things change. The most recent episode talking about TV show openings was a major nostalgia trip for me. <laughs> <laughs> and for us too, yeah. <laughs> Since it was before the time of streaming and I was still growing up with these shows on the air, I just wanted to say I am shocked that no one mentioned the first show that came to my mind, Gilligan's Island. Oh, yeah. 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 It, yeah. Definitely catchy. <laughs> definitely catchy. I could sing that one. And <laughs> I, I can't do it. Yeah. You know, I could sing that one like the Brady Bunch when like every yeah. word is telling the story. Yeah, it sure is. And let me tell you, there has been, as we predicted, a small mountain of email all about TV <laughs> theme songs. Didn't you include this one? Why not this one? And people writing in with their own top tens. And it's it's amazing. But So now we've got another <laughs> podcast where we can just say, here's Zach's top ten here's Zach's TV top theme songs. We Here's can just Dan's do that. We can sit back. Nice. I think so. Probably so. Zach goes on to say Brady Bunch and Andy Griffith also be two other shows not mentioned that get stuck in his head, but he guesses Andy Griffith is more of just a whistle than a full opening. But yeah. it's a full song. It counts. It's instrumental. Yeah, it's good stuff. It, Bo's already whistling. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> it was unconscious. Can't sorry. Help it. But I'm sure that you're getting a million emails talking about songs everyone else loved. Right you are, Zach. Love your show. Thanks for keeping me entertained at work. By the way, Bare Naked Ladies did the Big Bang opening. <laughs> 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 yes, I know, I know. <laughs> oh, I like Zach. Yeah. Thanks so much, Zach. We appreciate you writing into the show. We love it anytime the fourth listeners take time to hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. Get your email in. We'll get you on the show as soon as we can. But now it's time to jump into the backtrack all about lunchboxes after this. Finally tonight, for kids who grew up with Howdy Doody and Ed Sullivan, the metal lunchbox was often a status symbol. A Barbie lunchbox or a Lone Ranger lunchbox meant you were cool. A generic red plaid lunchbox meant you definitely were not. Now, a generation later, a Massachusetts collector is trying to persuade America to return to those exciting days of yesteryear. Joe Bergantino reports. In the 1950s, Beaver Cleaver had one. Here's your lunch. 
a favorite lunchbox. I had a Davy Crockett uh, uh, tuna fish smelling lunchbox. <laughs> uh, it was Roy Rogers. It had a little thermos inside and room for the sandwich and the cookie and the apple. That was, that was it. Ah, uh, the friendly metal lunchbox that I carried my lunch <laughs> to school in. Wasn't always friendly, by the way. I'm just going to say, we Mine used to use worked. those things as weapons in the lunchroom sometimes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's not surprising you've known george for how long now mo yeah i know but still he surprises me every day <laughs> every day you're always surprising nuances of evil <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> lunch boxes came around way before gen x but they're still a thing today but they've really evolved and i would say that we lived through the heyday of the metal lunchbox yeah that's probably true we saw its prominence kind of went away in the mid to late 80s it's evolved into something else now but but I want to talk about in this episode where those lunchboxes came from. And when I talk about lunchboxes, I'm talking about the awesome metal pan. It has some amazing thing on it from pop culture, a cartoon or a radio show or a TV show. It's got the A-team on it or whatever it is that you love. It was this, it was a billboard. I would say that they were the pop vinyls of our generation. We just couldn't collect a whole bunch of them. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's fair. Yeah, I mean, I, don't th- I think for me, a lunchbox was, it's kind of like the older kids and their concert t-shirt, right? It's like- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that I love. Yep. Advertising, hey kids, do you guys like the Smurfs? I like the Smurfs. If you like the Smurfs, come eat lunch with me. We'll be friends. Right. Yeah. yeah you, you couldn't I couldn't tweet out hashtag Smurfs, you know, I, because there was no such thing as Twitter. So it was how like kids you hadn't met. That's how they knew the things that you liked and it formed little clicks and you I, I met friends through my lunchbox. Absolutely, Absolutely I did. Yeah. So it's kind of like bumper stickers, right? It didn't say so much. It says more about the person driving than about what they actually believe in. Sure. Yeah. And, and plus it was it was beyond you could post bills on it. I know I'd slap wacky packages on my lunchbox to further enhance my identity. <laughs> Who am I? Not only am I a geek, I'm a real geek. I'm an uber nerd. I'm an right? uber nerd. <laughs> Before we get into the history of where these things came from and our experiences with them, I want to know what was your favorite lunchbox that you had growing up. And I'm going to start with you, Mo. <laughs> you know, when I saw this topic, like we put this topic on our backlog. It had to be a year ago, right? Yeah. yeah and, probably. And, I, and I have been honestly like very uh like had going to this topic is kind of very hurtful for me because i never had a lunchbox oh oh no <laughs> did, you, know, did, for you, me, did you buy lunch or did you paper bag yeah, it? either i bought lunch or paper bagged it or hmm. went out and bought lunch like because even as far as middle school we could go out to the pizza place and buy lunch well because you were in the city and there was a right, hundred right. restaurants within a block yeah right exactly you're on the block actually so I never had one. So I, I'm going to be constantly just being jealous throughout this entire <laughs> thing. Because it's like I always saw I always thought they were the coolest things ever. Like you get a thermos in them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and never, never actually owned one. Well, it's your turn to be jealous. We were both jealous of your knowledge of the galaxy. Back when we <laughs> sure. talked about the you know, remembering Pluto a few weeks ago. So it's our turn. George, how about you? What was your favorite lunchbox? Do you remember growing up? Yeah, I mean, I... I remember having two or three and it's kind of a toss between the Scooby-Doo lunchbox that I had in early elementary school days Mm -hmm. um, with the Pac-Man lunchbox that I had in middle school days. They were both... I mean, it's kind of hard to to pick one or the other. <laughs> I might go with Scooby-Doo just because it was, I don't know. I mean, I really love that cartoon more so because 
the one thing that I could never find was a Galaga lunchbox back then. I mean, no, I've seen I don't know if they ever now, had one. Did they have yeah, one? Really? Oh, now wow. they've, you know, people produce these <laughs> things, you know, for different reasons. Nowadays, it's not for the lunchbox, obviously. But let me tell you, I'm going to rotate my head 45 degrees and I can see my vintage Pac-Man lunchbox oh, sitting on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, those things were really you nice. Know, you guys are like, I just went through telling you how much I never had one of these. And <laughs> <laughs> we just keep rubbing salt you in the wound, like, don't we? Hitting, like, the very, I mean, you hit like, I'm like, oh, that Scooby-Doo sounds so cool. <laughs> I wish I had that. I wish I had one. All right, keep Mo, going. Mo, you've gone to Megacon, and I know you've probably bought one of their higher-end tickets at least once, and they almost always give an exclusive lunchbox as part of that package. So you probably have metal lunchboxes now. I have a couple Megacon ones, but it's not the same. You know, it's not well, a vintage one. It's, it's not, not like, vintage. Yeah. It's not like yeah. I can bring it to work and people are, like, jealous. You know, it's just no, not that's same. probably true. <laughs> you, you, now, you will get a reaction. They just that's might not true. be jealous. I, I may do it just for that. Okay. <laughs> my favorite one was my $6 million man lunchbox. Oh. You're such well, a dick. No surprise. <laughs> <laughs> and I have yet to be able to replace it. Now, I do have the thermos with no lid, but I do have the thermos. I'm working my way up to replacing that lunchbox. God knows whatever happened to it. That's almost an expensive thing these days. I mean, some of these lunchboxes, you know, depending upon how rare they are or anything, they go for quite a few dollars. They really can. Yeah, they really can. You know, to get even feel worse about myself, I went and looked at the most expensive <laughs> lunchboxes out there. Take a guess of what you think the, well, at least as far as this list is concerned, I don't know if it's how valid it is. I don't know, probably the most expensive. Uh, 10 grand, 20 grand maybe? Uh, Well, no, not quite that much. 5,000. Okay, five grand. Yeah. All right. For okay. Man from Atlantis. I was I was highballing oh, it. Oh, Man from Atlantis. Patrick, yeah. Patrick Duffy. Duffy. That's Duffy. right. Yep. Wow. Got little webbed fingers. Oh, yeah. yeah. They <laughs> believe there's only three in existence. Damn. Wow. Because the show got canceled so quick that they only did like a single run, and that was it. Yeah, I can see that. Well, the lunchbox, initially called the lunch pail, can actually trace its origins all the way back to the 19th century. Decidedly pre-Gen X. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, But it wasn't for kids. Initially, Actually, the lunch pail was for working men during the Industrial Revolution. So sure. they, had, oh, yeah, they yeah. needed a way to protect their lunch from damage when they were at the mill or in the coal mine or wherever. Because, like, what would happen to your egg salad sandwich at, at the quarry? Yeah. Right? You know? And so you had these big industrial metal boxes that you could protect your lunch in. It would keep dust out of it, and it kept it safe. Well, you mentioned coal mines. My uncle was a coal miner until he retired, and then he had... I remember when we would go to visit him in Kentucky, and he had... His metal lunchbox was there on the counter, and while we were there visiting for a week or two, he would, you know, his wife would pack his lunch in it, and he would haul it off to work and bring it back That's and right. set it down on the counter. It was like now you place your keys in your wallet and all the, your phone in certain right, places right. when you get home. That was Just his lunchbox. Lunch Clang. Yeah. Put it exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Toward the end of the 19th century, around 1880, school kids were starting to want to emulate their fathers, and but they couldn't get a big lunch pail because that was their dad's lunch pail. Sure. And they would start making their own to carry their lunch out of either an empty cookie tin or tobacco tin. Well, when those were made out of metal back then, right, before you yeah. could, right. cookies were in you know, pressure vacuumed plastic or whatever, because <laughs> you want to be like dad. You're like, I want a lunchbox. Yeah. And so he's you, the hero you see every day. So you want to emulate that hero. Yep. And so you have Uncle Ben's tobacco or whatever, but inside <laughs> was your bologna sandwich and your carrots or whatever you had. And you can and pack that off. There was always a thermos in my uncle's lunchbox, that big, long, you that know, big I don't one. even remember what brand it was, but coffee. It probably had like the, the glass liner in it too. Yes. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't like the nice. And so I remember once we broke the glass liner in one. Uh -huh. And by the way, 
the way, you, you couldn't drink what was in there anymore. That was dead. No, throw that <laughs> was the gone. thermos out, man. It was over. <laughs> nope, finished. <laughs> so by the turn of the century, kids had already been wanting to emulate their dads and have a lunchbox, but that was fairly rare, just if they happened to kind of improv something. But as Mo, you said, city kids usually went home for lunch because yeah. you could. You, you could go out nearby, you could go home because you weren't far from school. Yeah, correct. Yeah, but the experience that we had, rural kids, not like the city boy, <laughs> <laughs> the little little red schoolhouse experience was rural kids were walking miles to school in the uphill, snow. Uphill, both uphill. ways. Both, both ways. <laughs> right? <laughs> so going home for lunch wasn't an option. You couldn't do that. And so your mom would pack a lunch for you and, and send it with you. And normally it would be like wrapped in cloth and oil paper, a little wooden box or in a, a bag or whatever it could. You know, you see the picture of the, the guy, he's got his lunch, he's wrapped in a red bandana on the end of a stick slung over oh, his yeah. shoulder. Oh, he's right. headed to lunch. You know, that's how you got your lunch to school because they didn't serve lunch in school then. That's not the way it was. Did you carry your lunch on a stick? Well, <laughs> I don't know if I actually, no, yes, I did. When I went as Halloween as a hobo, I carried something on the end of a stick with a red bandana. But I didn't technically ever myself carry lunch to school okay. on a stick. Just George, I don't know about you. No, I never did, but I was just thinking about your Halloween costume. I can imagine, you know, you go trick-or-treat, and then you just stick the stick in their face with the bag on the end of it for them to put the candy <laughs> in. That's up. awesome. <laughs> put a pumpkin on the end. Yeah, go. <laughs> so the big change happened after World War II. So much change with schools and school lunch. So think about this. Uh, small schools consolidated into bigger schools. Oh, yeah. So not the little red schoolhouse anymore. That's right. right. Yep. And a lot more women joined the workforce. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, they had to during World War II. They were, you know, riveting stuff while the men were over fighting yep. overseas and everything. And they so. stayed in the workforce. That's right. Yeah. Yep. You bet. So now more kids were farther away from home. And even if they were close, mom wasn't home to make you lunch. Right. Yeah. Packing a lunch became much more prevalent. And shortly after the end of World War II, there was the National School Lunch Act of 1946. There was a school lunch act? Like like the government put this thing into play? Indeed. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Don't you know all about the School Lunch Act? I've known about this for several hours <laughs> since I, I looked it up in preparation for this podcast. Episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> I remember I am a Bill. <laughs> remember Interplanet Janet, but I don't what remember. What the National School Lunch Act song? You know, no. like, how does it go? No, there was, no, I just learned about it myself. So it, it made cafeterias more common. So maybe you didn't bring a lunch, but you could get lunch. Uh, the goal of it, by the way, was to provide more low cost or free school lunch meals to qualified students through subsidies. Sure. And what happened was for every meal the school either discounted or gave away, they got a cash reimbursement from the government to encourage good nutrition in schools. Oh, but yeah. Have you had thing. school lunch? Yeah. Okay. That's not encouraging Look. good nutrition in school. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That little slab of pizza that perfectly fits in the little rectangle. <laughs> the thing is, though, I mean, for a lot of kids, especially growing up in the city and public schools, that was probably the best meal they got sometimes. Well, I know even today there are studies and news articles and reports and everything that talk about there are children who, like you said, Mo, that's the only meal they get the entire day and they depend upon it. And then there's all these people that are trying to abolish school lunches because the programs are this or that and the other. And I'm like, dude, just feed these kids, man. Shut up. How can we not right. do that for our own children <laughs> yeah. in this yeah. country? That's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Unless you were Mo and you, you know, you were lived in Manhattan and you went out to Chez Pierre for lunch. As he's already <laughs> bragged many times. Big I city have, boy. I, I ate many a school lunch. Trust me. <laughs> okay. So there wasn't a huge demand yet for lunch containers, but a lot of that changed right around the corner. The lunchbox, once relegated to oblivion in the nation's thrift shops, is now feeding the 30-something generation's hunger for nostalgia. Thanks to Scott Bruce, a Cambridge, Massachusetts visual artist, 
and America's foremost collector. They were perfect. They were emblazoned with all the characters of, of my childhood. They were still very cheap, and uh, I began to, to collect in earnest. And collect he did for the past three years. The 1,500 metal and vinyl boxes lining the walls of his apartment offer a trip down memory lane. So there was a huge catalyst that caused lunchbox collecting and ownership and usage by kids to really take off. And it started around 1950, thanks to a genius move by a Nashville-based manufacturer you've probably heard of or seen stamped on the bottom of your Scooby-Doo lunchbox, Aladdin. You know, I never looked at that. Didn't bother to look. No. <laughs> I probably only know from collecting and I see the made by Aladdin, made by Aladdin. They were huge. Gotcha. Before we get into that. First, a quiz. The very first character license on a lunchbox came out in 1935. Not hugely popular. Didn't sell a lot, as we mentioned. But who was the first licensed character to appear so, on a lunchbox? A popular character that didn't sell a lot of lunchboxes? Uh, Popeye? I would say like Popeye. He was around back then, right? I don't know. I'm going to... He was. He was around. Guess Richard Nixon. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, it's a cartoon character. Okay, it's still Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon. Uh, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> I can change my answer to Richard Dixon. <laughs> All good guesses. Surprisingly, <laughs> it was Mickey Mouse. Really? Oh, yeah, of okay. course. Of course. That makes sense. Yeah. Lunchboxes? Just wow. because there wasn't huge demand. Oh. Yeah, that's all. Oh, okay. Yep. It was a little cylinder, had a metal locking ring at the top. It had a thermos in it already. Sure did. Oh, geez. I measure has how much that one would go for if you I'm don't. sure I know. That's you were super talking about 5000 for the yeah. man from Atlantis. If that one was rare, good Lord, that's got to yeah. be way more than that. So we talked about Aladdin. They are already making these square metal lunch containers like uh, like, you know, industrial workers carry to lunch or anyone carry to lunch. So the executives at Aladdin hit on this idea that they said, hey, television is taking off. Here we are in 1950. So they started lacquering their lunch boxes with a bright red paint and put a picture of Hopalong Cassidy on it. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing those when I was a kid. I remember seeing pictures of them in school and stuff. Marketed it for $2.39 wow, and they sold 600,000 of them in the first Ooh. year. Wow, that's quite a bit of money. <laughs> <laughs> right? For 1950, $2.39? Holy cow. It was literally the same box they were selling. They made it bright red and they put one big decal on the front of it. Like the edges weren't decorated, nothing. The thermos wasn't decorated. It was just a sticker on it, basically. <laughs> a sticker on it. That was it. And then they realized shortly thereafter, that's great. But what if we start putting every lunchbox a different fleeting pop icon? So when you're sick of Hopalong Cassie, your lunchbox is in great shape, but now you're listening to Lone Ranger, you'll want to trade up. So every year, kids were demanding a new lunchbox because oh. not because their old one was broken but so so george you said you had scooby-doo and you said you, right when you got rid of the scooby-doo one it wasn't broken it still worked right oh uh, well no, well you were hitting I mean, kids was, with yeah, it that's they were, maybe you so. actually like fighting <laughs> handles so. might have been broken dents may have been made so i mean he went to school at thunderdome so you know we <laughs> <laughs> You know, I did just real quickly take a look at something. You mentioned that it were two thirty nine back in the nineteen thirties. Oh, in how much was that? Two thousand eighteen dollars right now. That's equivalent to seventeen dollars and thirty three cents. Wow! So almost twenty bucks for a lunchbox. And you Damn. know what? I would probably buy that if my kid wanted a lunchbox because I would think, oh, twenty bucks and have the lunchbox for the whole year. That's a good value. Right. He loves Hopalong Cassidy. Sure. So I imagine that two thirty nine might have felt the same way to parents yeah, back then. Uh, yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah. So they just kept putting new ones out every single year and multiples because kids were demanding a replacement. So they were selling more and more and more. And, and by the way, we talk about a lunchbox. A lunchbox is actually a lunch kit. It consists of the box. Right. And yeah. the matching vacuum bottle inside, that little thermos. 
Okay, they they called it a vacuum bottle, like officially, because I never heard that term. That's what I found in my research. They called it a little <laughs> vacuum bottle. <laughs> it's got to be the internet. It has to be true. Right. The factual. Factual. Yes. True. Uh, but everyone just calls it a lunchbox. But when you, t- <laughs> when you talk about a lunchbox, you're talking about the box and the matching thermos. And in many cases, that thermos is the thing that gives it value. It's like really? having something mm-hmm. in its container. It's like, do you have it? Yeah. Do you have the thermos with it? Well, you know, so that's because uh, uh, the thermos expensive. was decorated yeah. too, generally, right? It usually yeah. was, right? In the heyday, they were. I'm looking at my $6 million man thermos right now, and I see Oscar Goldman, and I see <laughs> Steve Austin in his uh, astronaut outfit. Feeling more jealous, Mo? Yeah. <laughs> you guys still suck. Yeah, you know, John, that uh, toy store that you love in Las Vegas, that Rogue Toys place out there? Yeah. yeah. I remember seeing several lunchboxes in there, and the ones yeah, with the thermos were at least double the price of the ones without. Oh, yeah, without question. And it wasn't long before many more companies figured out what Aladdin was doing, and so other companies like Adco Liberty and uh, Kruger Manufacturing, uh, OK hell? Industries, tons of others said, you know what? We can make lunchboxes. Yeah, they we sold over did. half a million of those suckers. I mean, geez, Aladdin. Yep. So, I mean, holy cow. They're jump on it. Yeah, really. Major bandwagon action. This is the very first television character lunchbox ever made. It's the granddaddy of them all. Within a year, sales of this box were over a million. This is the, uh, the Beatles Caboodle. Uh, one in excellent condition went at auction last year for $600. And like many of these boxes, it could have been bought new for only a few dollars not too long ago. So there's been a remarkable uh, appreciation, something like 100% a year. Few stocks can, can match that. Lunchboxes are interesting time capsules that reflect the attitudes of uh, the popular uh, culture at the time. And with a steady flow of newspaper stories and TV reports, lunchboxes are now a hot item in the nation's collectible stores. They've been going crazy just the past year. Bruce figures his collection is worth about $75,000. Metal lunchboxes eventually kind of went away. By the mid-80s, they were no longer around. They've been replaced with plastic. Yeah, mm. like everything I'm else. I'm going to go on the record and say the plastic ones are just not as cool as those metal lunchboxes no, that not. we had. They're not. They had a different latching mechanism on there. They, were, they didn't feel like substantial when you picked them up. They don't rust. Yeah. <laughs> So there are two theories as to why the metal lunchboxes ultimately went away. The first and probably the more realistic is that plastic is cheaper. Yeah, Yeah, sure. We had plastic handles on most of ours. I know mine had a plastic handle, little metal rings and a plastic handle, but it was cheaper to make plastic. And plus a lot of them were disposable. They were going away year after year. But I find that with most of the plastic ones, they only are printed on the two main sides. They don't put all the great artwork all the way around the bottom, the top and the outside. It was like reading a mad magazine and going back and looking at the tiny little cartoons they drew in the margins. Right. That's how a, a lunchbox was. Like, you'd look at it. Yeah, that's a great scene. And then you lay it on its side. And you see all the mm-hmm. little scenes around the side and all these little different action poses and your characters. Well, and- that was the thing you did at the lunch table, right? As you were eating your lunch with your friends, you would exchange lunchboxes and you'd look around them and read them if they had comic things on them or stuff. I mean, that was just part of the whole thing. I wouldn't know that. <laughs> did you not even have friends that had lunchboxes, Mo? No, nobody <laughs> had lunchboxes. Wow. They were all headed down to the Fru-Fru restaurant and having their... <laughs> Their, their meals with you know, five stars shift here. Yeah, prime rib with just doesn't stay very well. Sausage box, King of yeah. Chicago prime or rib something. just doesn't keep. <laughs> it doesn't keep very well. On his red rag at the end of his stick. <laughs> no, it just... <laughs> 
The second and possibly dubious reason, maybe an urban myth, is that concerned parents in several states proposed bans on metal lunchboxes because of George. <laughs> Cleaning kids were using them as weapons to hit one another. Well, you know, between the two theories, I totally believe the second one. <laughs> we have hard evidence that it was happening. Yeah. George has confirmed yeah. that they would they would have lunchbox wars in the octagon that is the cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God, like it would start in the cafeteria and then it was onto the playground after lunch was over right afterwards because you'd always eat lunch and then you go out to the playground because they wanted you to burn off the energy and all like that and then come back refreshed to class. Not I guess. beating the but, shit out of each other. Well, that wasn't what they attended. <laughs> they weren't watching. So what they I weren't see. watching was going to go on. So wait, were they just weapons or using them as shields? How does that work? Exactly? <laughs> However you had to survive that playground was right. how you survived. It didn't matter what you used, really. I'll tell you, two million or what may leave. Lunchbox shield, thermos weapon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's even rumors on the internet of a statewide ban in, of all states, Florida. Why not? Yeah, of course. Of course. Searching and searching, there's no evidence of such legislation of any ban ever happened. So there may just be another Florida man kind of uh, anecdote. Although those are mostly true. Well, and I did grow up in the Capitol. So if there was going to be a ban about something I did, it, it wouldn't it be was hard because to of you. That's right. <laughs> you know, and one of the other key contributing factors probably of the decline of the metal lunchbox is the rise of the backpack. I always just carried my books, but when backpacks came along, you didn't want to carry a backpack and a lunchbox. So having a softer one, like these fabric ones that are oh, just yeah, insulated, yeah. they're oh, easier yeah. to throw into your backpack. So there's less reason to have that. Now, maybe if they made the lunchbox bigger so you can fit your books in it, that would work. But <laughs> <laughs> The thermos could get in the way, though. Well, and there were some other things, too. People started carrying more temperature-sensitive food items to school, like my kids when they were very young they would have those little fabric lunch boxes and mm -hmm. my wife would yep. pack things in them that would keep better if they had, you know, some kind of thermal protective layer. And you could do that with those types of boxes that you didn't see in those old school metal lunch boxes that we had. <laughs> yeah. The metal ones had like zero thermal. No, no <laughs> insulation properties. Right. The, the thermos <laughs> did, but the, the box, not at yeah. all. The last few decades have brought kind of a lunchbox revolution of sorts. Plastic or just insulated or cloth sacks. We've come full circle. We're back to lunch wrapped in cloth. <laughs> yep. We've seen the rise of uh, globalism has introduced things like Tiffin containers from India. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Those like oh, stacked yeah. ones. Those are pretty yep. cool. And bento boxes from Bento yeah. also I was going to think. It's almost popular. like we're doing origami with lunch now. You know, unfold this and snap that here. Let's Tetris me a lunch together. Right. And then <laughs> yeah. I remember getting like one of those little bento boxes type ones for my daughter and the issue mm -hmm. with that is that you feel like you have to fill every single container every little compartment <laughs> you do and you that's the whole point for variety like, I, i'd rather just throw like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich some goldfish and a soda here you go you listen know? lazy parent <laughs> yeah i mean i'm sorry like you know whole people spend way too much i've never seen the kids who would like bring lunch in in a paper bag yeah but it's still it would be like this like like oh my god what the hell is that Oh, this is a toasted blah, blah, blah with rubber. I'm like, I got a cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how much time did your parents spend on that? <laughs> hey, in middle school, at one point when I transitioned off the metal lunch boxes, I actually had an igloo cooler as my lunchbox, and my mother <laughs> would, honest to God, cook a pork chop the night before. Oh, with we've vegetables. heard the story oh, yeah, of yeah, your, your, your delightfully huge lunches. So, you yeah, like that your meals. lunchbox could not contain. <laughs> yeah. I would have a full meal for lunch. <laughs> Pull yes. the tablecloth, put the china out. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. 
Well, the lunchbox has seen kind of a renaissance lately. Maybe not as a lunchbox, but as a collectible. So first, yeah, the old thing, ones yeah. collecting. That's fun. You mentioned go to the toy store and you see them. Mm-hmm. Reproductions are happening. You can go to eBay and Amazon and see tons of reproductions. Yep. And I've even seen other products marketing themselves in a lunchbox. Yeah. The video game Fallout 3 Special Edition came in a metal lunchbox. Yes, it did. The band, rock band Offspring, they released a metal lunchbox as a special edition of their album called Ixnay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they did. The Superman DVD box set was let out in like a small lunchbox. And they even put out a Nintendo DS starter kit in a little lunchbox that had Mario Brothers on the outside. Yeah. (laughs) Not full size, but I mean, people understand the power of the nostalgia of the metal lunchbox. And they're great display pieces, too. They sit they perfectly sure on a shelf. They look nice lined up side by side. I have probably six different metal lunchboxes. They're all modern and none of the retro stuff that I would love to have, but things like I talked about Mo collecting from the Megacon lunchboxes. I even just recently yep. picked up an Atari uh, old school logo black lunchbox with the Japanese oh, nice. writing oh. underneath it. Yeah. Ooh, I bet that was from the uh, clearance sale at ThinkGeek, wasn't it? It exactly was. I thought <laughs> so. Yeah, they had a lot of those. Hat. Yep. Yeah, I got both of those things. <laughs> hey, if you ever feel super nostalgic, Mo, if we haven't made you enough wish that you had a lunchbox. I, I feel deprived. <laughs> we should all make a road trip to Columbus, Georgia, the home of the Lunchbox Museum. Seriously, there's a whole museum. Yeah, yep. How close is Columbus to Atlanta? Because we're going to be in Atlanta. <laughs> Check that out. I don't know how far that is. Let's see. I want to know. Atlanta? Actually, I just pulled up the link you put in there for the Lunchbox Museum, and all I can say is, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> An hour and a half from Atlanta, George. North or south? East or west? It is south it's on the way home. Kind of. Well, there you go. It's on the way home. Columbus, Georgia. Pass through it. I'm thinking on the way back from Dragon Con, yeah. we head to the Lunchbox Museum in Columbus, Georgia. I told you. I'm there. Oh, great. I'm not going. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so, oh, you're not going? Once again, Mo left out of the Lunchbox <laughs> Fun. Shit. It's like, you're going out of your way now just to make me feel bad. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Are there any other things that you feel bad about that we can go do without you? I'm sure you will. I'm sure you'll just do them. We're happy to help you out. You'll just do them instinctively. Don't worry. (laughs) It just comes natural. Exactly. (laughs) We did a whole episode on something I didn't have as a child, but always wish I did. That's fine. Don't worry about me. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks. And he's predicting prices will continue to rise. He should know. He's also written the only official price guide to lunchbox collectibles. A calendar and a traveling museum exhibit are in the works. So if you think these transporters of tuna fish and Oreos serve only one purpose, think again. 20 years from now, they could help finance Jennifer or Jason's college education. Joe Bergantino, ABC News, Boston. If there was anything in this show you'd like to learn more about, the show notes which accompany each episode are full of links to click and explore. Catch up on past episodes and get pinged every time a new one's released by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, iTunes reviews help more than you know. So if you haven't yet, please rate and review us in the iTunes app. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. You're our fourth listener, and we'd love to read your emails right here on the show. So hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is more than just this podcast. Our YouTube channel has hundreds of videos ready for you to enjoy. Plus, you can find our entire body of work on genxgrownup.com. As we wind down here, reminiscing about the history of lunchboxes, I want to do one more round robin and go around the table. Do you have any lunchboxes today? Do you collect them or do you even care? And I'm going to start with you, Mo. You know, wow. 
That was an antagonistic introduction. I, no. I, I, I didn't care uh, because I guess I had just sort of blocked all that pain from my childhood. I suddenly out, I do. And now it's like I feel like I'm so deprived I need to get them to, to, to fulfill some gap left in my childhood. So now I care. Now you care. So okay. I'm going to start looking for something and try to make you guys jealous. That's my new goal in life. Go for it. I welcome it. I'm going to find a $6 million man one. Damn it. No. Now, now you've gone too far. You've gone far too far. <laughs> I pretty much already, I, I think I ran through my inventory throughout the, the show. I said I have my Pac-Man lunchbox on the shelf. I've got my thermos from Six Million Dollar Man. I, I don't care about the reproduction so much. Uh, I really want the vintage one. Yeah, you want yeah, that old course. one back. And there are a few out there that I would pick up. But uh, as George said, they look great on a shelf and they're really reminiscent of just the Gen X experience. George, I know you said you had some current ones. What's in your collection? Do you care about collecting them? I kind of do, but it currently it's only the current things like the Megacon or the Atari one that I mentioned that I have right now. Mm -hmm. My fear getting into wanting to collect them is A, space. Just where I can put these things because i got so many things on shelves, you know, pop vinyl boxes and comic books and posters and enamel pens. There's stuff everywhere at this point and my wife is starting to see the creep out of my room into the hallways <laughs> that she's not happy with. I don't know where I would keep any more lunchboxes but I would really love to go back and grab that old Scooby-Doo one that I had mm -hmm. as a kid or possibly that Pac-Man one. I mean, I'm sure I can find them on eBay. It probably wouldn't be too difficult. Not too bad. I'll tell you a pro tip. Two pop vinyls sit very nicely on top of one lunchbox. It's really well, easy to add to your collection. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what about the handle, though? Doesn't that mess with the way they sit on it? You know, you're overthinking. You're okay. overthinking. <laughs> you, you, you stand them on end. Handle's not a problem. There okay, fair enough. Ah. <laughs> pro tip. Before we get out of this episode, I want to take a moment to thank all these amazing folks who support Gen X Grown Up over on Patreon. And I'm talking about you, Marcus and Mike and Greg and Agile and Slowmo, Corey, Will, Blasted or Stash at Levi, Dana, Dan, Chad, Stian, Thomas, Stu, and T2. What a wonderfully Ooh. long, breathtaking list that is of people who give a dollar or more a month to support Gen X Grown Up, the website, the YouTube channel, <laughs> and this podcast. Ooh, thank you. So grateful. Could not thank you enough. If you'd like to join them and support what we do, we would love to have you head over to patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up. Check out the levels, bonus content to be had there, outtakes from this show, and much more. Hope you'll join us. Can they maybe send us a lunchbox as part of their donation? Can that be something? Absolutely. <laughs> Put that Send in there. Send your $6 million man lunchbox to John. <laughs> Attention, Gen X grown up. <laughs> you will be a Patreon for life. Done. Taken care of. <laughs> We'll be back in two weeks with another backtrack and next week, of course, with a regular episode. Until then, I am John. George, thanks for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, always appreciate you. Man, always fun. And fourth listener, you know we appreciate you most of all. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com. This Thursday in the Backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast, we're going to be... We're... Blech, do it again. This Thursday in the Backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Backtrack... <laughs> what, is, what if I just read the... Read the words I put on the page. Would be great. Use your words. In five. Four... 
In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.